You're listening to the Mess and Mercy podcast with Katie Sanders, where you'll be inspired to grow in your walk with Jesus and live out your God-purposed life by faith and obedience. Now, here's your host, Katie Sanders. Good morning, guys. I am um, glad to be back with you guys this morning. I know it's been a long time since I have um, done a podcast, um, ironically, today's topic is boundaries um, and I am trying to really be intentional with how I set boundaries around my time for work and family and um, separating my personal and professional life and making sure that I carve out enough of my time to really work on on ministry and pouring into you guys and um, what the Lord has tasked me to do here so um usually my creative outlet is writing if I've got something heavy on my heart um or that I'm burdened by I can um be transparent and write about it and give it away and God likes to exercise that gift for whatever reason at 3 a.m. so Usually, when my heart is heavy or there's um, something going on or I feel like the Lord is stirring a message for me to give you guys, I get up at 3 and I write. And I have been doing that this morning, um, and I've wrote and wrote, um, and it's just so much on this topic. Um, So I decided that I would podcast because I can put... A lot into recorded words that I can't necessarily get in one um, blog post. For those of you that need to hear it and touch it, I am going to um, finish up what I've been writing also. But I just wanted to have a little more of an opportunity to just kind of talk through some of this um, practically and not in, in pretty words with big adjectives um so I want to specifically today in regards to boundaries I want to talk about setting boundaries and not building a wall um and I'll tell you what I mean by that in a little bit but I do want to start in um scripture we're gonna start in Genesis chapter 2 and we'll kind of talk about what what a boundary is and, and what that looks like biblically for us. The more I have read and researched and scratched around in the Bible for um, boundaries and studied on them, the more I think that I could just write a book about boundaries. But somebody did that, and they did it well, so I'm going to skip it. But, um, yeah, let's, let's go to the word and um, read in chapter two and then we'll kind of pick it apart and keep moving forward in Genesis. It says in chapter two, starting in verse 15, it says the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it you will surely die um so 
there was a time in my life um, where I reached what I would call, I had what I would call a, a revelation um, with the Lord. Um, I And I don't really remember when my identity changed. There was a time where I was very outgoing and, and confident and I was unafraid to talk to anybody and I was that happy high school cheerleader um, and at some point I, I traded that girl um, for for a girl that that was different I think I had put a skirt on all of the the trauma that I had dealt with um, growing up but as more people found out the things that went on in my house more people were involved um it became hard to dress up my reality at, at home um and i there was a lot of trauma in my childhood between my parents and um after they split and divorced there was trauma there but there was some time in my life where I had a little bit of a normal life and I guess um, I hate to say that those were my happier years because they certainly weren't but they were years that it made it easy to pretend um, that my reality was something that it wasn't um, and at some point after that I traded that that girl with trauma in a skirt to a girl that was trapped by it all. Um, I think as things go wrong in our lives, we have created a culture that says, no, you need to be okay. Um, the media realm is full of pretty houses and clean floors and perfect kids that don't mess up your house and don't make real mistakes and are perfect little angels and um we have these big nice homes and we make the assumption that that equals big nice bank accounts and um we just create this highlight reel where things are not as they seem and for a long time, I was able to, to stuff and pack and hide the things that I had experienced. And I, I built walls around myself um, for, for protection as, as a child and, and as an adolescent and even as a, an early um, young adult, I had developed the mantra that nobody was going to take care of me because that's kind of what life had taught me, that it was me against the world. And um, even though I had people in my life that, that cared about me, I'd experienced enough bad things to assume that that, that wouldn't last, that that was only temporary. And so... I built wall after wall after wall um, to take care of myself, to box myself in. I wouldn't let people get close to me. And um, 
I think as wall builders, we, we travel with a lot of things. You first, you start packing things that will help you survive the things that you're experiencing, things that will protect you. And you add those little things to your sack. Um, and in anything else that you think you might need at a moment in that moment to get by. But then you, as more people get involved, they start asking questions or making assumptions. And then you start packing things like defensiveness or things that can even be offensive. You know, I'm attacked, so I'm going to attack you. You're not going to beat me. And, we see other other people's trauma and we can use that against them and we can say well yeah this happened to me but what about what you did and we take all of those things and we just fill in our sack with ammunition that we can weaponize at at a later date um if you feel attacked and as we brick and mortar who we are and and what we're protecting from we're just building this big tower that is going to eventually trap us inside and it will fall um i think there comes a time in everybody's life where you experience what i would call a revelation um you know the bible says that there will be a time where that no one is without excuse that there's a time in everyone's life where we encounter the Lord and what we choose to do with that is of our own doing we have the free free will to choose but um I'm trying to think of the best way to a revelation is something that is um an unknown fact, um, especially that's made known in a dr- dramatic way. But that word revelation comes from the Latin word revelar, and revelar means to lay bare. Um, and let's not, this, I think that the revelation paves the path of a border. Um, we won't call it a, a boundary, but let's call it a, a border. Um, I came to a place where I realized how transparent some of the walls that I had built in my life were. Everybody knew that my, my dad died. Everybody knew that my mom was an addict. Um, everybody knew that I had just gone through this terrible divorce and there were realities to those things and then there were assumptions to those things and then there were rumors to all of those things and I packed all of that in my sack I took what was real and what was not real and I held on to those and I didn't know um I didn't know how to process all of that I didn't when who you are comes into question with where you've gone and the two places collide, I think that creates your border. Um, I had built my walls high and I had stuffed and stuffed and stuffed and then 
all of a sudden I was I was married I had five kids three of them were new I desperately wanted to know them a way that a mother knows um their children I wanted to be a good support for their mom and I had all of these ideas on how all of these things would um look like and I think that a mistake that we make as humans and a mistake that we make with boundaries is that we try to get our own ideas and we try to set our own boundaries on things and and right here in scripture you see the first line that is drawn in the sand by God and and he says look I've given you all of this And you can have all of these things, but of this tree, you shall not eat. For if you do eat, you shall surely die. When I, I say the floor was cold. (laughs) When I was saved, I was sitting in my bathroom floor at, um, the first house that my now husband and I had had bought together and I just had a reckoning and an awakening of of all of the things that I was accountable for in um in my story all of those years that I had spent maybe at the expense of others trying to protect myself um and and suddenly quite suddenly if if I'm being completely honest I knew that some things were a lot bigger than than myself and that um there was no excuse for reactive behavior um even if it was recognized as as a trauma response um we make excuses for for ourselves and we allow the the enemy to to attack and to come in and and he's not invited but as we we say that we do not let me let me clarify that we say that we do not invite the enemy in into our homes into our conversations and into our house but reality is when we set our truths on something that is not biblical when we draw lines in the sand in, in a way that's not backed by truth, we are, in fact, inviting the enemy. A, an invitation doesn't have to be signed, sealed, and, and delivered in order to open up a line of um, I guess to open the door. Um, the only way that we are safe is when we are found in biblical truth um so let's go on to genesis chapter 3 and let's talk about it a little bit more um it says now the serpent was more crafty than the other beast of the field that the lord god has made he said to the woman did god actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden and the woman said to the serpent We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither 
neither shall you touch it, lest you die. So let, let's stop right there for a second. This is secondhand information from, from Eve. And I, I can't, it's, it's crazy the way that scripture works. Um, because I have read and I have studied this even for weeks now. And I haven't noticed um, this until right now. Um, I, I didn't prepare this podcast. I don't have anything. Usually I have notes typed up. So this is literally just me and you um, sitting on my couch having coffee together and talking through scripture. But if you notice in chapter 2... God creates Adam from dust, and then um, he gives him this instruction. And then after he tells Adam that you eat of it, you shall surely die. It says, then the Lord God said, it is not good that a man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them and whatever the man called every living creature that was his name and the man gave names to all the livestock and the birds and of the heavens and to every beast of the field but Adam there was not found a helper fit for him and so the Lord caused him to fall into a deep sleep upon the man and while he slept he took one of his ribs and closed it up and closed up its place with flesh and the rib that the Lord God had taken from him he made into a woman and brought her to the man. So this information that, that Eve is getting is secondhand information from, from Adam. Eve was not present when the Lord gave Adam these instructions. So let that be your first lesson in boundary setting is that we don't get truths from people. We get truths from God. We don't get advice from people. We get advice from God. And I think it's so important, especially um, in the world that we live in today where so much is offensive and, and so much is up in the air and we're in the middle of a pandemic and we just went through a very political um, election that could be history changing forever. Um I think there's so much in our country that we just, there, there's been another border, I guess you could say. We're stepping into a new time, a time that looks def- different, and a time that we will not be able to come back from. Everybody, after we've stepped over this place and what will become history, is changed um, by that. And we have a responsibility to the gospel to know what its truth is, not the truth that's preached in the church and not the truth that you read in a devotional or not the truth that you get from me. Don't take what I say and, and apply it. Take what I say and put it into context in the word. I'm never going to give you something that I have not read for myself in, in scripture. Um, Eve wasn't there. Um, and, Satan played off of that weakness. Eve didn't receive the truth directly from God. And I think that that that's applicable when we're talking about how we live our lives or the boundaries that we set for them. Um, He was able to ask her, is that what God really said? Are you sure that's what God really said? How are you sure? How do you know? 
when when you're going through something and and you feel that you need to react in a certain way, how do you know that it's appropriate or not appropriate? How do you weigh those decisions and and those choices? And the Lord is is speaking to me in that right now. I've been in such a season where I've had to make some difficult decisions um, backed in, in biblical truth. I've had to set real boundaries lately in my life. Um, I wasn't prepared to cry on my couch, so I don't have any tissue. So y'all just bear with me. Um, you know, my mom recently passed and in October she had had a relapse on, on my son's birthday and I had to set boundaries to protect my kids. And the last time that my kids saw my mom, she wasn't sober. The last time that I saw my mom, she wasn't sober. Just because you put boundaries in place doesn't mean that Satan won't test them. And you've got to be sure that you made the right choice. So how do you go back and do you weigh those decisions that says, yes, this was appropriate, or, or no, it wasn't. If you don't know the truth for yourself, it's going to be really hard to stand in it. So if I could, <laughs> if I could give you any advice, it is that scripture is life, um, it's so important to know God in in the way that when you have that revelation, when that that revelar moment where you are are laid bare and and the border is set and you have a decision to run from it or step across it, um, it's so important that you get a spiritual mentor that can help you walk through the Bible and and know the Bible and know God in such an intimate way um the the gospel makes a way for that it makes a way for us to fellowship with God and and know who he is and those are other boundaries that we'll talk about at at a later time but if you don't have somebody to help you work through the word I'm happy to help because when I was studying scripture, I did not have a church. Um, I did not have a spiritual mentor. It was just me, the Lord, and the Bible. And so I read it all. Um, and it, it has something new to offer every day. And it had something new to offer this morning, even sitting here um, with you guys. So get get the scripture um, firsthand. But, all right, let me pick up back where we were. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and to the tree that was desired... Let me start over. So when the woman saw that the fruit was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. 
Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Okay, so let's unpack that a little bit more. Desire is something that we are given with at, at birth. And you want to talk about um, borders and boundaries. There are two things living inside of us after we have accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. There is that flesh side that has a desire burning that that is entitlement um, that can be all of those bad things. Um, and especially for somebody that has experienced and lived through trauma, um, we, we feel entitled to some of the responses that we have. I have felt entitled to some of the responses that I had, especially um, going, going through um, my divorce. I'm very open and transparent and talking about that time in my life because what I did when when me and my husband separated I thought that I was protecting my my children but then there came a point where the plot twisted a little bit and I felt like I had to defend myself um and, and we harvest things from, from a trauma response that are um, a lot of doubt in people, um, resentment, inferiority. We, we hold a lot of regret. Um, there's so much anger, doubt. All of, all of the bad things that are inside of us, we try to justify those things. You know, the Bible says an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. I can't tell you how many times I've heard somebody say that um, when trying to give me counsel um, in, in the last little bit. But in the Bible does say an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But you can take anything in the Bible out of context. So I would urge you to read the whole thing. Um, but there's a divide in, in who we are and, and what, what we do. And I think Romans seven puts that best, uh, you know, Paul was one of the greatest apostles of, of all time. Um, he wrote a large majority of, of the new Testament and, um, he was known for those of you that don't know Paul, he was known for killing Christians. He, thought that he was protecting um the the romans the the pharisees all of the religious people and he thought he was doing a good duty and um i could imagine he had some pride in that sorry all my alarms are going off they don't know that i have been up since three um so if you hear them just ignore them but he he was diligent in his pursuit of executing the, the Christian faith. And he had a conversion experience, his revelation, his, his laid bare um, moment. And he accepted the Lord as his savior. And then he went on to be the, one of the greatest evangelists of all times. Um, 
And in Romans 7, he says, the things that I don't want to do, I do. And the things that I do want to do, I don't do. Um, And it's a chapter about that struggle with his flesh and his new faith and the things that he's called to versus the things that he is. And when you step over that border, when when you make the decision to, to cross over, those things, that is a war that is never won on this side of eternity. And I think that we make the mistake as Christians sometimes of thinking that we have arrived. We, we know the scripture. We've spent all the time in, in Sunday school. And um, we know we can't be taught because we know everything or because we've been baptized that we that's freedom to do anything that you want to. There's a scripture in Jude. I just love it. Let me find it real quick because I got it tabbed off. Um, but it talks about how there there has been some that have crept in among us. It says in Jude chapter 1 verse 4, For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for the condemnation uh, for this condemnation ungodly people who pervert the grace of our god into sensuality and deny our only master and lord jesus christ that is saying that we manipulate our forgiveness in christ that we assume that just because our sin doesn't count because of grace that it doesn't matter and that's that's not true um (laughs) there there's there's that border that boundary within us that that is in constant war with one another and it's a fight on who is going to win out but on the same side of that for for you all that may be new converts or may be trying to um really heed God's um, work in your life and the sanctification process of trying to grow in your faith and trying to become more holy and like the the scripture commands, be holy as as our Father is holy. Um, I just want to encourage you that you're not perfect um, and, and God doesn't expect you to be we're not going to follow all of the Ten Commandments. We might not murder, but um, there, there are things in, in our heart that we feel um, bitterness, angry, when we feel wrong. Um, you can't stop those feelings sometimes, but you can help how you respond to, um, to those feelings. And, and here... Eve chose wrong. It says that when, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, when she was enticed to go after the fruit that she secondhand heard that she should not have. She desired it. She wanted it. She felt like she could have it. And so she took it and, and she ate. And then she was naked. Um, can I tell y'all that 
transparency is, is a beautiful thing. When you hear the word naked and you hear that they sewed fig leaves together and made for themselves loincloths, I would imagine that you would think about true nakedness in, in the flesh, like getting in the bathtub naked. But there's something to be discovered here that I think is so applicable to our, our daily lives. And I just want to pick that apart with you guys. It says, then their eyes were opened. They ate of the fruit that they desired and they realized that it was bad. Their eyes were open to the things that they had done. Um, the, the conviction was there and they felt shame for the, for the first time God had drawn a, a, a boundary. He had set a boundary on what was allowed and what wasn't. And they were naked this, this whole time. This, it doesn't speak of anything that they covered themselves with up until this point, up until they realized they were naked. So, understand that first and foremost the boundaries set before us in biblical truth are made to protect us to keep us from shame to keep us from harm to keep us whole um to keep us protected you it says that their eyes were opened and they were naked we can live in a world free of conviction for as long as we choose. We can continue to, to chase our, our desires and give us all of the things that we think that our heart wants. But reality is there's only one thing that offers us full peace, full recognition and acceptance of self, and that is the, the Lord. We were created for the primary purpose of coming back to him, to worship him and to fellowship with him. And we see that in the gospel. We see how God made a way because literally all he wanted to do was to know us. And and I think that's just in, incredible. Um, I don't remember what I was studying the other day, maybe in Ephesians, but it says even before the foundations of the earth, God wanted to know you and that there's such a bigness in that that I think that we need to recognize and, and appreciate things that that we take for granted but before the earth was laid he knew your name and he made a way for you to sit in his presence and I just think that that that's a beautiful thing um but it says, and they sewed the fig leaves together and they made themselves loincloths. So they've come to this point in their life where they feel like they need to cover some things up. And I remember what it felt like to be in this big two-story home with all the windows and the pool and those marble floors that I, I found myself where I met Jesus it, on that floor. Um, and all the kids and the dog and all of the things that I could have ever asked for in life. If I had painted a picture of, of the things that my heart desired, I had it all in that home. 
I've always wanted from the time that I was little, when I really, my family started to be what it was, I desperately wanted a home, a family to love me, one of my own that nobody could take from me. And I feel like in that moment that I had all of the things that that I could have ever asked for or wanted, but I was so empty. And like I said earlier, I don't, I don't remember when that transition came to where I was this trauma in <laughs> this, this teen that had gone through all of this trauma, but still had such a bigness on life and was confident and big and bold and, and dressed up and just, bouncing my way through pretending that life didn't look like it did and I and traded that for who I was that night on that floor when God reckoned me and called me home to himself I don't know when the the transition happened um but don't lose yourself in trying to pretend that things are okay um when our marriages fall apart or our money is starting to look like we have a financial crisis or our kids aren't doing well or there's lies and, and manipulation and, and things that are they're going on. I'm going to tell you that your problems are not problems. They are a, a platform to, to help others. I think... I truly believe that that all of the abuse that that I went through, the physical abuse, seeing the domestic abuse, the addiction, the trips to rehab, the house fire, the death, the so much death. Um I have a vast opportunity to help people in situations where grief just feels inescapable, but can I tell you that pretending does not heal and covering does not heal. It says that they sewed fig leaves together and they made themselves, themselves loincloths. Any advice that you give that puts you as the healer is not biblical. You cannot fix it. You cannot just cover it up. It's like you, you've you got this, this stain on, on the floor and you've scrubbed and picked and, and tried to put away and do all of the things that you can to get this spot off the floor and it's not coming up. So instead of doing something else about it, you just go and, and buy a rug and you put this nice pretty rug over it and people walk over it and walk by it and they don't notice what's underneath because you've done such a good job at hiding it, but it's still there. You have got to tear it up piece by piece. You've got to let God replace those dirty, nasty places in your lives that you can't fix for yourselves and heal them. But if we continue to let them go unacknowledged, if we continue to create this realm of things where society gets to dictate the fact that we're okay when really we're 
building wall upon wall upon wall of things that we think are protecting us. Oh, if my family looks okay, my family will be okay. Oh, if if my child is having trouble, but I, I feel like we give them time, it's going to be okay. Let's just cover it up. Oh, if I just put this on the credit card this week because I can't make, um, make, make ends meet with my paycheck, it'll eventually be okay. But your marriage is still going to struggle. Your child is still going to struggle. The money is still being spent. And I think that people are so afraid to not be okay, to be transparent, to say, hey, I've got this problem. All of the people that are in terrible marriages that I know are having trouble in their marriages, that post pictures of them and their husband and, and hashtag live in my best life, you're a liar. Satan is manipulating you into thinking that you can cover that up on your own, that you can fix it on your own. They sowed fig leaves and they made themselves loincloths. Let's keep reading in the word. It said, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking through the garden and in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called and said to the man, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. I was afraid. Why? Because I was naked. What? I hid myself. God doesn't expect you to be perfect. Like society, like culture expects you to be perfect. There has to be, a, with boundaries, there's got to be some accountability. Um, you can set them and you need to stand by them, but you need to be willing to also accept their consequences. The last time that me and my kids saw my mom, she wasn't sober. The night that she died, she asked to come to my house and see me and my kids, and I told her no. I just... I want you to, to understand that, that boundaries are, are hard sometimes. Boundaries are, are not easy. Um, he hid himself from God because he felt like he had, had done wrong um, because he had. There, there's a sense of conviction in that that two-party um, station that we have got living inside of us, they're, they're at war with one another, and when one beats the other one out, it, it's acknowledged on, on either side. The more that you pray and the more that you come closer to the feet of Christ, I I'm going to be completely transparent with you. The harder things are going to get, the more opposition you are going to reach. It, it's inevitable 
if you are a, a mediocre Christian that goes to church on Sunday that doesn't read the scripture, that gets your advice secondhand, that posts the, the Bible verse on Facebook because you need to make a point to somebody. Um, <sighs> scripture is not used uh, as weaponry to say, hey, look at me. Scripture is used to transform your life. It, it is used to, to shape you and to mold you and to bring you closer to the feet of Christ. So when you are in that middle, when you think, let me, let me rephrase that, when you think that there is a place in the middle to sit, Satan has won. Salvation is not a bench. You, you don't get to sit left, right, or in the middle. You are over that border, or you are on the other side. It, there's, there's no straddle. So when you live a life of mediocrity, and you think that that's acceptable to Christ, Satan's not worried about you. He's one. He, Satan doesn't mind religion. He, he encourages it. He encourages religion because he knows that there is not a way that we can save ourselves. We can go to church and go to Sunday school and, and do the small groups and the devotionals and say the prayers and post the scripture. But if those things don't transform your life, if they're not embedded in your heart, if you don't take them literally, then he's one. Religion is such a dangerous thing without a relationship with Christ. And if you think that, that those things are okay, then, then he, he has beat you. Salvation is not a bench. You can't sit in the middle that, that scripture in Matthew 7 where it says, but but God, I, I prophesied in your names and I cast out demons in your name and I did all of these things in your name, God. And he says, I never knew you. That is that's so powerful. Away from me. I never knew you. These people, they were calling his name. They were doing things in his name. They did the mission. They baked the casseroles for church. They did all of the, the Bible school and the Sunday school and the devotionals and all of those things that we get so involved in. The church teaches us that if you're not a busy Christian, that you're not a Christian. And sometimes we need to be still. Don't be a Martha, be a Mary. And just sit at the feet of, of, of the cross. Sit at the feet of Jesus and take in the gospel and what it means and apply it to your life. Doing does not equal salvation. James says faith without works is dead. And, and that... You know, that's a controversial scripture, but what I, what that means is if you have a true faith, you cannot not work. The gospel is so rich and so good 
the news of the intercession that Christ made on our behalf to know God is so rich that you can't not be compelled to share it. So he's naked in the garden and he's hid from God because he is afraid. Um, so I want to read a little bit further from that. And it's, it's a little bit, so just bear with me. I want to get to one more point and we will try to, to wrap this up. Um, God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? So God gives an opportunity for confession. And the man said, The woman whom you gave me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. And and here it seems like Adam is, is blaming God. And, and don't we want to do that? God, why am I going through this? God, why aren't you doing anything? God, when are you going to make it stop? God, aren't you in control? Don't you hear me? Why aren't you answering? Your word says that you will, if we'll ask in your name, that we'll be granted. Why, God? What, God? When, God? We want to make demands and, and, and petitions about why we experience the things that we do, but take it back to the beginning he said but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for in the day that you eat you shall surely die we blame god the woman that you gave me to be with she gave me the fruit and i ate god it's not my fault then the lord said to the woman was it what is it that you have done and the woman said the serpent deceived me and i ate god it's not my fault god it's not my fault it's somebody else's fault where is the accountability when we step over the boundary boundaries require accountability and in any circumstance where we don't take accountability when we are robbed of our consequences there's only going to be more of a fall we're going to build more walls we're going to tuck in more things and it's going to be that much more painful when it all crashes down the key to boundaries is transparency The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed, or, cursed are you above all the livestock and above all the beasts of the field, and on your belly you shall go, and the dust you shall eat in all of the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And to the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In the pain you shall bring forth children, and your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. 
and to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and you have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you, and in your pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life, thorns and thistles, and it shall bring forth to you, and you shall eat all of the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So there is where God lays the consequences down. This is what you've done. This is the consequence of what you've done. You've crossed the boundary. Here is what you are accountable for because you made those decisions. And then it says, The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Okay. This is what sets the foundation for the rest of the history of Scripture and our relationship with the Lord. This is what is important to know about boundaries. And, and we'll talk more, more about this and we'll get more into... Um, the consequences and, and the setting and, and what it looks like to draw biblical boundaries and how you can hold on to those and stand firm in them. Um, but I want to just grasp the, the fullness of what a boundary is, how it works, and, and what that, that looks like. Um, God set a boundary. He told us what, he told Adam what we couldn't do. Then Satan manipulated what that would look like to Eve because she didn't get her information firsthand. And then they eat of this tree and they try to make a covering for themselves because they felt shame. They, they saw their brokenness and they, they tried to cover it up. They wanted to, to look the part of well. And when God called them on it, they hid. They were scared. They were afraid. Um, but he confronted them and made them accountable for their actions and gave them consequences for their infidelities to the the command that the Lord gave, and then he covered it. With boundaries, there can be both grace and consequence. And, and I think that is a huge thing to, to recognize. The gospel is grace and mercy. It is not given us what we deserve but just because we are free from sin does not mean that we are free of its consequences 
just because our sin doesn't count as a believer doesn't mean that it doesn't matter. We are called to be holy like our Father is holy. Um, we are called to be in pursuit of a better position of, of self, but we can't reach it on our own. We need help. We need God. We need grace. Christ died on the cross in our place, perfect, sinless, without fault, and willingly so that a gap could be bridged between ourself and God. Our God has a lot of characteristics, but first and foremost, our God is holy. He is separate. He is perfect and he cannot be associated with sin and so because he is so separate and because our primary purpose for existence was to be in fellowship with him but from this point from the cross of this boundary there was sin. Something had to stand in that place and bridge that gap between perfect and fallen. And that was Christ. Christ made a way for us to know God. Christ made a way for us to be forgiven for our sins. Christ made a way for us to have direct communication with God. God made a covering for Adam and his wife. He knew that they felt shame. He knew that they had messed up. And he gave them consequence, but he also gave them grace. He gave them coverage for their nakedness. He gave them coverage for their sin. Um, build boundaries, not walls. Um... Boundaries still have lines that are going to be crossed. Boundaries set, set a standard that you won't always uphold to, but boundaries are, are transparent. A, a boundary is, is a border. It's a line in the sand. Walls are, are, are fortresses. They are tall standing and, and full of brick. And those things they get tighter and tighter and tighter because as you build your wall and, and you stuff your problems and you, you stuff your sin and you hide the things that you do, the, the Snapchats, the conversations that you shouldn't have, the gossip that you take part in that, you know, you're, you're just praying for them. Hey, pray for so-and-so because such-and-such. Check your heart. Check your heart. You can't. You can only serve one master. Um, and 
though those things they come down to to you or God and there's grace but there's also consequence and I think we just need to be mindful of that that revelar moment in in your life where you reach a point that you realize you are accountable that you are naked and that you can't fix it on your own and I'm here to tell you that this last I was saved in January of 2017 and since then that has been the toughest hardest years of my life but they have also been the best because I have spent them in the full glory of God, trying to position myself to a better place and a better person. And I've experienced a lot of opposition and a lot of things that I don't think that I would have come in contact with had I tried to fix them myself. Um, I could argue and fight and weaponize my way out of most anything and did for a large majority of my life. Um, I have quite a testimony, and I'll tell you that hate and anger, I think, are are some things that I packed in in my my sack of of protection that helped me get to where I was um, but there came a time where I had to tear down those walls and they were many and they were high and I had to reconcile all of those things, the things that I was responsible for and the things that I weren't from to God. And I had to get transparent with myself, with my own sin and with, with others and decide that I wasn't the cheerleader. I didn't have the skirt that, that covered up all of the trauma that I experienced. Um, I didn't have a large group of friends anymore or the popularity that I once had. Um, I let go of class representative and class favorite and homecoming court and and all of those things that you think matter at, at some point. I'm not on the PTA council and I'm not the first mom that gets called to bake cookies for the classroom and that's okay because who I am now matters more than who I was then because I'm grounded in the truth of Christ you don't need a lot of friends and you don't need a bunch of titles and you don't need great professional success or the big house or the shiny car or status or money in order to have peace 
but you do need boundaries and you need to ground those in biblical truth um this is where it started in genesis in the beginning <laughs> um god does outline a way of life for us he he sets the expectation on on who we are and and what we do but we're disobedient and we have shame and I would be afraid to know how much of our lives we try to cover up. I, I want you to consider that just, just for a second. How much of who you are and what you think are the things that you do in secret. How much of those things do people not know about? If they did know it, would it change the way your life looked? Your marriage? Your group of friends? Your professional life? Your job security? Get honest with yourself. I think that is the first part of stepping over that border to live in boundaries is can you, if you can't be transparent with everybody else, start small and be transparent with yourself. Who are you really? Do you manipulate your behaviors based off of who you're around? You don't say bad words in Sunday school. Do you say them at home? Are you one way with one group of friends and another with others? Does the way that you change your behavior have anything to do with comfortability? Is there an image that you've got to keep up somewhere else? If you saw me at, at work, you would think that I was a well put together individual. I wear heels and, and blazers and glasses and I, I look like a real professional adult but if you were to walk into my house or if you could see me right now I have on a house coat some sweatpants a t-shirt that's that's a mild comparison but what how do you look in one place? And how do you look in another? I had a scripture in Ephesians um, outlined, but I think that I want to look at 
Hebrews 12 instead, and we will close. Um, give me just a second to figure out where I want to start. Like I said, none of the, this is just us talking. So, well, I think we'll just read a lot of all of it. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. It, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons, for what is the son whose father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which you have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have an earthly father who disciplined us and respected them. Shall we not so much more be subject to the father of the spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. A boundary. A biblical boundary is something that is founded in truth that has consequences that we cannot fix on our own accord but that God will have grace for should we be transparent. Set boundaries, not walls. The more you stuff and stuff and stuff and hide and stuff and hide and stuff and hide and stuff. The very things that you feel like are protecting you will be the source of your own undoing. You can only pack so much in without suffocating. 
the walls will fall. There will be that lay bare moment. There will be a time in your life where you see nothing but nakedness and shame. And you want a place of healing. But pretending never equals healing. Um, and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. God wishes to heal even before there was blood shed for our shortcomings God was trying to make a way for me and you for Adam and Eve to not feel shame let us pray dear Heavenly Father I I pray that this word, Lord, has been spoken from from you, God, from from your scripture that that it's for your glory. Father, I know that I didn't have notes. Um I wasn't prepared. Um so I pray that whoever this needed to reach, God, if only if only one that they would take this word and they would apply it to their hearts, God, and they would realize that you are a God of grace and provision and protection, God, that, that all of those bad things that they've experienced, all of the hurt that they've had, God, all of the wrong that they've done themselves, the pain that they've caused, the messes that they've created, God, that there's mercy, God, that there's grace, that there's forgiveness in you and, and in, the, in the cross, God, that you made a way that you knew that we would make mistakes. God, you know that we hide. You know where we are and you call our names. Father, I pray that we answer when you say, where are you? God, I pray that we don't, if we don't, that you just pursue us, Lord. That you track us down and, and meet us face to face with with who we are and the things that we've done and the things that we've experienced, God. And you will give us that, that revelation, that lay bare moment in our lives, God, that we could just take it and be, be transformed and, and healed by your grace and your glory and the sacrifices that you made on our behalf, God, that we wouldn't waste it. That, that the, we would use transparency in our lives and in our messes to minister to others, God, that are in a season that don't know you, God, that don't know your provision and your grace. Father, I thank you for, for the opportunity to witness to others, to, to share your truths, to promote your word God to just encourage people to get into scripture and to meet you there God that you would speak to their hearts and you would give them a posture of understanding the word that they read God so many think that they can't understand the Bible Father but I feel it's though they don't understand you 
I pray for those people that are sitting in the middle, God, that that are, are captivated by mediocrity and with religion and and all of the things, God, that they're so busy in service and doing things and helping people, God, but they're in the heart of performance and not of sacrifice. I pray that you would convict those hearts, God, if this message reaches those people, that you would help them to know that that doing things doesn't mean that they are safe and that even though you may use the seeds that they have planted, Lord, in the services that they have done, if they themselves are not saved and sanctified and called, to you and under you and for you, God, that, that they are not safe. That you can use any amount of evil for good. That you can use religion for good, but that doesn't mean they're safe. Father, I pray that we all have a spirit of discernment. That we would know who you are and what you stand for and that we would do our very best and so long as it depends on us God to seek you in your grace and your will and your instruction God I thank you so much for your word that gives us life and truth and guidance God I thank you for you Amen Okay, guys, um, we will do this again next week, and we will talk more specifically about boundaries, about how they're drawn, and um, how we can be confident in how to stand in the things that we have set before us. Um, I hope this was encouraging. I know that it was kind of all over the place, so I'll apologize for that, but... Um, I enjoyed having coffee with you guys. I love y'all. Um, prayers. Talk to y'all later. If you were encouraged by today's message, hit subscribe and meet us here again. Or head on over to Katie's website, messandmercy.com, to find more encouragement like free devotionals, Bible studies, and the blog. Thank you for tuning in to the Mess and Mercy podcast. We hope to see you again.